How do I charge a car? Can I charge it in the rain? How far can I drive? Electric car? What's a power grid? Is V to G possible? What is V to G? Do I get free parking for my EV? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Electric Avenue, a podcast about the electric mobility, charging infrastructure industry, and all of its complexities, opportunities in front of us. It's a fast-changing landscape, and this podcast is designed to keep you up to date with everything that's going on, or at least some of it, because there is that much going on. I'm your host, Aaron Fishbone, with electric vehicle charging services company Greenway, based in Bratislava, Slovakia, and joined here by co-host Peter Badik. Hi, Aaron. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for having me. So it's nice, you know, we're able to actually be here together. COVID, uh, you know, Slovakia has started to open up a bit and we're able to sit here together, a distance between us, certainly, but, you know, be in the same space and uh, see each other again. Yeah, I think hopefully the things are coming a little bit slowly to the normal. But I have to say I was the lucky one because I have the office very close to my house and I was basically coming to the office every day. It was an empty office, but it was an office. So yeah. for me, it was not so super bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, just the fact that it's opening, I know it's not the case in many, many other places, but we're able to return together. And uh, so it's good to be to be back and we can reconnect a bit. We have definitely been a little bit slow on producing this podcast. And I mean, one reason is because even though there haven't been that many roads driving on the streets lately, we have been doing a lot of work. We knew that there was going to be a lot of discussion of recovery that ultimately we were going to need to come out of this. And coming out of this was going to involve probably a large scale recovery package. And that, you know, here in Europe, with all of the talk of the European Green Deal and the aspirations in 2030 and 2050 climate targets, which are wonderful, that uh, hopefully forward thinking policymakers are going to look at this stimulus as an opportunity to really invest in the technologies and the industries that are going to help get to that greener, cleaner future, a decarbonized future. So we've been doing a lot of work oriented towards Brussels and uh, trying to give our input to the people who are looking at crafting that legislation. And uh, it's good to say that as of yesterday's announcement on May 28th from uh, President of the European Commission von der Leyen, there's now a very hard look at the role EV charging infrastructure can play in this energy transition. Yes, you're right. And uh, I think the very critical times came. And uh, as you said, we now spend a little bit more time than usual with a policy setting and a whole the ecosystem setting. And in some sense, we always did that. You know, Greenway always has a history to create or co-create the uh, electromobility ecosystem. And now when the critical times came, I think it's even more important. Yeah, yeah. And so we've been investing a lot of time and attention oriented toward Brussels. And dear listeners, that is uh, one pretty significant reason why we uh, delayed in this next podcast. So uh, thanks for bearing with us. But we've been working hard as well to you know, keep advancing e-mobility around the world. So one of the ways in which we've been doing that is, uh, you know, the EV charging infrastructure industry is maturing. I mean, we see that from the financing side, and now we're seeing it from the number of companies, from the mergers and acquisitions, the decrease in fragmentation, from the growth of the number of charging stations. And one other way in which we've seen it mature is the launch of an industry association dedicated towards representing the electric vehicle charging industry in Brussels in front of the European Commission and you know all the other different interest groups that it has, the DGs and whatnot. So uh, this group is called Charge Up Europe. They launched in March 28th. They were founded by three other charging infrastructure companies, Allego, EVbox, and ChargePoint. 
and Greenway became the first non-founding member to join Charge Up Europe. And so, Peter, I'm sure people are curious about Charge Up Europe. Why did Greenway choose to join this industry association in Brussels? Well, probably the first reason was that, as you said, our industry is going to mature and it's maturing and we are starting to be a very clearly defined industry. So you can really clearly define the charging point operators and electromobility service providers as a new type of industry, very specific one. And therefore, we believe that it, it makes sense that there needs to be someone who represents our interest. So that is one very important thing. Another reason is all these things which are happening around us. You know, even before COVID, 2020 was supposed to be the very pivotal year for electric vehicles and electric mobility. New models are coming, the new regulation in Europe uh, were in place, technology moves significantly forward, the prices of the battery fall. So we expect that 2020 will be uh, electric mobility going into the new era, we even call it, I think in the podcast as well, electric mobility 2.0. And then the COVID came. And many things has changed. Obviously, uh, at the beginning of the crisis, everybody were concerned. Well, what is what is going to be implication on every industry and for us, for electromobility and charging business? We wanted to understand what's going to really happen. We, everybody knows that probably the economic crisis will come and the, the economic slowdown. But will it actually stop all our efforts? Will we return back several years? Will we need to wait for a significant rollout of electric vehicles? This was all thoughts which we had back in January, February, March, when the crisis hit. And therefore, we, we saw it as very important to be in contact with other players and formulate our opinions, our advices, our positions on, on policies which are being now, at these days, formulating. And I would say these coming three, four, five months are going to be very significantly important what's going to happen or even will shape what is going to happen in our industry in the next five years. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you've said this quite a few times recently, actually, you know, that the next five months are going to be pivotal for the next five years. What do you mean by that? I think the electromobility revolution depends very much on the policy setting. Obviously, the technology is here and the drop in the price of the battery uh, is a very important, but in general, still depends very much on the policies. And there was a certain setting uh, of the policies before, and we were, we need to understand how these policies are going to change. We see that it's very different in different parts of the world. The question was, what's going to happen in Europe? And actually, I think everybody are happy that everything is moving forward as it was planned. Not be only because of electromobility, but because of the new energy systems in general, smart grids, innovations, renewables, everything is moving forward. And I think this is extremely important because this could really be an environment where, as I said, not only electric vehicles, but all new environmental friendly technologies could really flourish and could, could become a core part of EV industry. And then it was the question, what's going to happen in Europe? How the COVID crisis, how the recession is going to influence the policy? And actually, I think it's obvious after a declaration of the European Commission that we are going in the green recovery. So the recovery will be green, will be a focus on environmental friendly technology, and it's going to be shaping European industry going forward. Yeah, the Euroelectric, the European Association of Electricity Generators, they had a webinar just the other day. Did you listen to it? 
with the CEOs, some of the largest uh, DSOs and utility generators. And they were, other than the British guy, kind of largely on point on this message that, you know, there's been a dip in, in usage in commercial and industrial sites, an increase in domestic. But nonetheless, uh, it hadn't changed the overall trajectory towards decarbonization from their industries. Yes, and this is, I think, absolutely critical because we are facing one of the most complicated economic times in front of us. You know, there's this recession that's going to be complicated and probably quite strong and big. And... It's very interesting to see that actually green technologies, environmental-friendly technologies, could help us to overcome the crisis. So it's not anymore something which stays on the sideline and, and something which basically is here because there is a political will, but the green recovery is going to be a major economic mm-hmm. uh, stimulus for growth. Yes. So these technologies are not only becoming mainstream, they are becoming the most important part of uh, how we want to do, move the European industry forward. It's great to be part of a policy that's moving in the right direction and also helping rebuild at the same time. Because, you know, you're probably familiar, you've seen that, those pictures on the internet, you know, of the wave or the shark, that COVID's bad, it been really awful. The economic recession, also awful, but coming in is the biggest shark of all or the biggest wave of all, which is going to be climate change. So the need to decarbonize and use these in stimulus as an opportunity to really invest once in a lifetime sums towards those future technologies and industries is one that we absolutely cannot afford to pass up. Sure. And... What I, what I believe that could be one of the outcome of this crisis, one of the positive outcome of this crisis, is that we are going to believe much more in uh, scientific evidences. And, and the scientists told us before that we may have a pandemic. And scientists told us before we are going to have a problem with climate change. And now hopefully people and politicians mostly will start to listen to them. And it's very fascinating how people can really now experience the quality of the environment, how it could change. So there are... Uh, discussions and I think it needs to be proven that the air quality and bad air quality actually would uh, contribute to the spread of disease. That's very important for things. But what is as well interesting is how we have a chance to see the emissions and pollution from transportation is actually contributing to air quality in our cities. And sometimes it's very hard to distinguish uh, where the pollution comes from. Is it a energy generation? Mm-hmm. Is it a, it is an industry? industry? Is it really a traffic? Mm-hmm. And we, we experience in many countries, many cities, really a kind of a natural experiment when basically the traffic stops. And other pollutions more or less were here because we still use electricity mm-hmm. and, and industry were more or less running. And we saw that the, the air was clean. So there's a very clear evidence that a lot of pollution coming from the traffic. So I believe that this gives us a chance to a little bit get used to the cleaner air and then basically the people who require that. Yeah, I mean, look, I certainly enjoyed it. And I think that this has caused a debate and a discussion among people, like you said, but never before we've been presented with this visual evidence directly in front of them. And they're breathing in and they're realizing, wow, the air can be this clean, even in the city center. And so what is the cause? It's emissions. Yeah, it's, it's very clear. I mean, the only cause, but it's certainly a, a very large one. So let's talk about that for a second. I mean, you know, our industry is charging, EV charging is very tied to there being electric vehicles on the roads. The OEMs, the auto manufacturer has been hit extremely hard by COVID, right? I mean, supply chain disruption, employees not being able to go back to the factory, people not having money to buy cars, things like that. We looked at some data and then in some cases in Europe, the auto sales effectively went to almost zero during the months of, uh, of COVID, dropped 98% uh, according to the International Energy Agency in the United Kingdom, for example. So the question is, what effect did this have on electric vehicle sales overall? And what is the outlook for electric vehicles going forward, given that there's been this huge drop in sales due to COVID? Well, I guess you have some numbers to yeah, share. Yeah, sure, sure. So we did a bunch of research. And first thing to say is that in Q1 2020, there was a significant drop in vehicle sales globally. 
23%, according to Bloomberg New Energy Finance. And they're saying electric vehicles sales only dropped about 17% in this overtime. And these are global numbers, not just looking at Europe, but also China, the global, right? In Europe, according to the International Energy Agency, some countries' sales during this period of time came to an almost standstill. EV sales dropped as well, but proportionally, EV sales dropped a lot less, making them a larger percent of the overall market share. So in the four largest markets in Europe, according to the International Energy Agency, Q1 sales reached 145,000 electric vehicles, 90% higher than last year, you know, percent of the overall vehicle sales. And at the same time, according to Matthias Schmidt, you know, auto industry analyst, he says, I'm quoting him now, European battery electric vehicle, pure electric passenger car registrations fell by 31% year on year in April. However, this was less than half of the 80% plunge in total passenger car market experienced in the same month. And Victor Earle, another auto industry analyst over at EV Volumes, says something very, very similar. So, I mean, it's really incredible when you look at all of this to realize that even though vehicle sales fell and EV sales fell, that the proportion of vehicle sales that were EVs was actually higher than it has been previously. And for other reasons like backlog and like the people who maybe are buying EVs right now being a little bit wealthier and therefore maybe a lot less affected by the COVID pandemic, that vehicle EV sales are still projected to be relatively okay for the year 2020. Yeah, and big question is if we are hitting already this tipping point S curve of uh, production and demand for electric vehicles, because I think it's pretty obvious, like in every other technology, when you, when you look on uh, life cycle, that at the beginning, you know, the growth is relatively slow, but then you hit one certain point, and then the rise is very, very high. So question is, if we are hitting this point now with, with this crisis, because this crisis really changed a lot of things. And, and there is one, I think, interesting hypothesis, I think, from Bloomberg New Energy Finance, which I think is extremely important, is uh, the hypothesis about the peak of IC vehicles demand. Mm, 2017, they say, yeah. Yeah. We've already passed it. It's amazing. Obviously, the number of vehicles in the world were increasing every year because, you know, the people are buying cars and even the countries like India, China, and they were growing and people, more and more people were, could afford a car. So total numbers of cars sold were rising. Within that, actually, unproportionately faster rising EVs, but it was a very small portion. Actually, now, probably with the crisis, what could happen is that this growth of the vehicle sales will slow down or even decrease. We saw it in the last crisis. On the other side, if the improvements in EV technology will continue in this period of low demand or lower demand for vehicles, the EV improve in terms of pricing, models, and so on and so forth, actually it can reach larger share. Mm -hmm. What could actually happen is that we will never ever see so many combustion cars produced in the world as it was before. So until the total number will rise, until that time, the EVs will already have a significant portion mm -hmm. and will still gain more and more. So in fact, basically the combustion engine car already are beyond the tipping point of the, the rise, which is from one perspective, very interesting statistical evidence. But on the other side, it is very important for the planning of car manufacturers. Do you want to be in a sector which is declining or do you want to be in a sector which is rising? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be really interesting and certainly something that we'll be watching closely. Obviously, the charging infrastructure industry relies heavily on those vehicles getting to market, and uh, we certainly want that to succeed. So we're going to be watching closely, but right now you certainly see a lot of pain coming from the OEMs, and uh, yeah, we have to get through this moment as well. Peter, there's something else that you and I have been talking about recently that uh, I think our listeners would really appreciate hearing your perspective on. Fortune, 
finished utility company, also has a charging infrastructure business, Portland Charge and Drive. They're a very large operator, operating in like 36 countries. And they just announced that they sold a majority stake of their charging point operator business to Infra Capital, an infrastructure equity investment arm firm. So you had some thoughts on that. We saw um, merged and acquisition in uh, our business of charging uh, industry for some time already. There was large oil and gas companies going into this field in the UK, in Netherlands, uh, in other countries. This transaction is a quite special because you said this is for the first time what I saw though when the infrastructure fund, some really financial investor went into the industry of charging. And this is a critical because it means that charging is already considered as something as a investable, investable uh, long-term, reliable infrastructure investment. Before that, obviously, in a world where it was very unpredictable how quickly the EV revolution will come, it was mostly venture capital investment considered quite a risky mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. Now, the uh, infrastructure capital going in proven that the industry is matured, more or less. Interesting was as well to see the evaluation. Uh, if I calculated correctly, the evaluation was about 140 million euro on the transaction, and actually it, it translates to about 100,000 per one charging point. So, which is very interesting, uh, meaning that obviously it's a, probably more than the price of the technology, but yeah. it means that there is a value in having a charger built somewhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this value is not coming from only from the value of the technology, but as well from the fact that you are able to provide generate the revenue. generate revenues going forward for many years, mm -hmm. even after you, you need to renew the technology. So definitely very interesting thing. And for me, uh, another proof that the charging industry is maturing, and I think it's, uh, it's a very good direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. Another fascinating trend to see. And you see, uh, you said mergers and acquisitions happening. Some of the smaller companies are being gobbled up by bigger companies. Let's say scale is happening. It's very much in progress. It's happening right now. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And still in a situation where EVs are somewhere around 2% of European car. And 3% of the global car fleet by the end of this year, again, according to the, uh, the studies that we were looking at. Well, nonetheless, there's still plenty of opportunity for innovation and uh, maybe we're, you know, getting professional a bit, but uh, plenty to do here and it's exciting to be a part of. Good. All right. Good talking with you. I'm glad we, uh, glad we got back to doing this after uh, quite a while focused on a few other things. Thank you, Aaron. All right. Thank, thank you, you, Peter. So listeners, I don't know what it's like where you are, but Slovakia is opening up again after our COVID lockdown. And I'm seeing a return to, you know, quote unquote, normalcy where all around me to how things were before the COVID lockdown. You know, and on one hand, it's great to be getting back into work, back to seeing other people socially at parks, restaurants, wherever. And it's really great to be recording our podcast again. <laughs> but you know, on the other hand, we've been given a gift in some ways. We were given a moment to really see how dirty our air and our waterways had become, how clogged and congested our streets are. We were able to see it in the contrast when there was no vehicles traveling or almost no vehicles traveling anymore. You know, and I really hope we don't forget what that was like. I urge us not to forget what that was, to realize that, you know, what we must urgently do to continue having clean air and water is to decarbonize our energy and our transport systems. You know, we can do this. The energy utilities on the Your Electric podcast, they said that they are working to do this. Um, but we have to be purposeful and we have to be intentional about it. One thing people can do is look to electrify their personal modes of transport and to travel less. We only have 11 years left, according to the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. The challenge is ours. 
And so one way to help make EV driving more widespread and mainstream, which is definitely something that we want to do, is to address the pain points that EV drivers feel. And we know what they are, though they're harder to address than one might think in some cases. And so to that end, our next episode is going to feature my interview with Dimitri Verkhne from the VEUC, or the European Consumer Organizations. And it's especially timely now because, as we've mentioned earlier, the European Commission is debating and revising the Alternative Fuels Infrastructure Directive, which covers a lot of this. And so they could be legislating on these proposals. And so it's important that we discuss and debate them now. That's all for our show today, and thanks for listening. Like I said, really excited to be back doing this, and uh, please help spread the word about the show to others. You know, now, you can find us on all the podcast platforms, wherever you find yours, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, you name it. You can find us on all those locations. Thanks to Peter for his great insights and expertise and co-hosting skills, and also a special thank you to Katarina Urban-Richterova, our fearless producer, for pulling this all together and helping it sound so good. And so with that, wherever you are, wherever the state of your situation is, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, when it's appropriate, wishing you many happy and safe electric kilometers. Mm-hmm.